Listen to me, folks. I don't know how else to say it, but I'm telling you, we need to get on the grace track. Yes. Fast. Because God is making things happen that otherwise cannot be done. Under the old dispensation, it was do, do, do. That's why I love our liberty now. Because now in this new dispensation, it's not a matter of me doing, doing, and doing to please God, to earn favor with God, to be accepted by God. Rather, it is done, 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 done. That's it. So I said in those two weeks, I said, stop trying, but start trusting. Yes. That was the coin. That was the coinage. Stop trying so hard, but, stop, but start trusting. When we go back to the garden in Genesis, and we look at why man fell, we are quickly to say Adam disobeyed God, and he did. But can I submit to you this morning that was not the root problem? Yeah, he disobeyed God. He ate of the fruit of the tree that God said not to eat. But can I ask you a question? What is really wrong with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? There's nothing wrong with the tree. Absolutely not. God created the tree, so there, there can't be anything wrong with it. Because everything God made was good. Including that tree. Yes. So there could be nothing inherently evil in eating something that God created. Are you hearing me this morning? So the disobedience was not the real problem. You know what the problem is? And that's what we need to get. The problem that led to the disobedience is distrust. It's a trust issue. Why will God, who loves me so much, tell me not to do this? I don't think he knows what he's saying. If you had a child, a toddler, walk with, walking with you on the street, going to the park, the toddler knows he's going to the park to go play. So he's excited, looking forward, anticipating to go play. And he runs ahead of you on the street and gets to the point where he needs to cross the road. You as a loving father sits ahead of him and knows that the traffic was bad and you yell to your child, son, stop! If that child recognizes the voice of love and in spite of the fact that the child wants to cross the street so he can quickly get to the park, that trust that the child has to a loving father, even though the child cannot see the dangers that the father is seeing, will simply freeze and stop. Not because the child has seen the danger, but the child trusts in the voice that spoke. And say, even though I may not have seen the problems, but if my father says stop, there is something good about him telling me to stop. But if the child is not secured in the father's love and trust, the child hears the same caution 
I said, but I don't see any danger here. What's that is yelling stop? Let me just go and cross. And the van comes and kills the child. And we say, what was God doing when that happened? No, God didn't do that. My lack of trust brought that situation. Are you hearing me this morning? So we need to stop trying and start trusting. Now, that's another message for another time to develop properly. But I'm telling you, the bottom line in grace is trust. Trust. Trusting in the fact that God loves you unconditionally. That's why Paul said in Acts 20 in verse 24, I won't read the whole passage. He said he wants to finish the race that God has given him. What was that race? He said, testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That was his mission. To testify, Greg, to the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus. All right. I know you're saying grace, 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 grace. Pastor, can you do something else? I'm sorry, there's nothing else. If you go with me to Acts chapter 10, give it to me please in the message translation. Let me just say this as I start this message. For some of us who are, who are late adapters, we're adapting a little late, we are, we are being careful, we, are, we, are, we want to take our time, we don't want to quickly dive into this grace thing because you know uh, this grace thing is so outlandish, it's too good to be true. I just can't believe it that, that readily. I mean, come on. How can anybody love me so much and do all of these things for me? I know there are some of us that's just we're used to performance anxiety. If we don't perform and do it ourselves, no, something's wrong. We just have to make it happen. You went to school for that. You were trained in that line of thinking. And you are now an adult, you're an expert. And so everything must happen according to your performance. And so for you to hear a message that says, done, 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 you're saying, these guys, they are losing their, uh, their, their, their head. No, it's For those of you, I want to encourage you, even Apostle Peter, the man who preached the inaugural message on the day of Pentecost, he was a slow adapter. It took him a minute, a long minute, shall I say, to catch the message. Ah, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me tell you why. God helped me to be disciplined in this message. Let me tell you why. And we're going to address this fully in future teachings. For the most part, we have explained what Jesus did on the cross. What happened to Jesus? But we have hardly scratched the surface as to what happened to you at the cross. Therefore, because you have no appreciation of your past, you don't see your destiny. Now, I cannot touch that, touch that in this message. You lost some things at the cross. You gained some things at the cross. And then there are some things you retain at the cross. Three things. You lost some things. 
You gain some things and you retain some things. I can't touch those now. But let me just say this to you. One thing that did not change on the cross for you and I is your mind. God by his spirit is living up to you to change that. Let me explain what I mean by that. If before the cross, let me use an example all of us can relate to. If before the cross, you were attracted as a man to a beautiful woman, on the day you bought God born again, your ability to be attracted to beautiful women does not stop. People are looking at me so holy. Ah, none of these men like women at all. We need an altar call for you. Or, let me use the opposite. If as a woman, you appreciate good-looking men, well-groomed, before the cross, the day you got born again, God did not remove your ability to appreciate goodness. No, you are the same. That ability is not gone. Okay, we are all too holy. Nobody can relate to... Before you got born again, you loved chocolate. There we go. Now you can be free, right? Man and woman, you're not free. You're still tired. God will deliver all of you in Jesus' name. So before you are born again, you love chocolates. After the cross, after you've been born again, guess what? You are still liking chocolates. Let me use one that is very good. Because some of us, you know, for me, until I got to this country, I didn't say chocolate. <laughs> so, so, so for many of you that were like me, maybe I will know the sound. Before the cross, you were a bad driver. <laughs> I'm looking at them now. <laughs> bad driver. You make it from here to Birmingham in one hour. <laughs> After the cross, guess what, what happens? You are still a bad driver. Your driving skill was not nailed to the cross. The reason I said all of that is helping you and I appreciate that even though God's grace is available, there are things that you and I, we need to make that shift from being a law-abiding individual. I mean, when I say law-abiding, no, no, that's not the word. From being a legalistic, performance-oriented person to trusting God and believing in the fact it's done. Yes, sir. But the thing that mitigates against that is our minds. Because your mind is still relating to the old you. Yes. I love chocolate then, I'm loving it now. I like good women then, I'm liking it now. I like good men then, I'm like. So your mind continues to relate to the old way of doing things even though you are a totally new creation. The answer to that is renew the mind of your spirit. God won't do that for you. That's our responsibility. We're going to get to that much later. A comprehensive teaching all of that. But are you following me so far? Now, I'm saying that to say to us that even Peter who had the honor of preaching the inaugural message at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. 
you will think a preacher will live by his preaching. Some of you guys are saying, hmm, you've watched too much preachers of LA. So you, you are really, really. <laughs> but it took Peter a while. Acts chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, Peter got hungry. Message translation. And started thinking about lunch. While lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the skies open up, something that looked like a huge blanket, lowered by ropes, at its four corners, settled on the ground. Every kind of animal and reptile and bird you could think of was on it. Then a voice came, go to it, Peter, kill and eat. Now, this is a hungry man. Okay? Hungry man. Peter said, oh, no, Lord. Now, it's amazing to me. He recognized that it's God that's telling him, talking to him. The vision was not bank showing him a vision. God was showing him something, and he's debating with God. Oh, no, Lord. I have never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. Really? So God didn't know that. God did not know what your diet was before now. He brought this to you, and you are arguing with God. The voice came a second time. If God says it's okay, it's okay. Tell your neighbor it's okay. Tell your neighbor God loves you. It's okay that God loves you. Receive it. Embrace it. Thank him for it. Hallelujah. This happened Three times. This apostle of God had to be reminded three times that it's okay. And then the blanket was pulled back into disguise. That's good. That's good enough. Now go with me to Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter 2. So God had to personally come to this guy and Peter's problem was his mind was still relating to the Peter under the law. Because under the law, they have rules and regulations on what they can eat or cannot eat. He's saved now. He's spirit-filled. He opened the door to the church and yet was still bound in his mind to the things in his past. Tell you about your past is glorious. Uh, when we get to that message on what happened to you at the cross, you will see how glorious your past is. You have a past glory, a very glorious past in Christ. Peter didn't recognize that. He was still fighting and arguing with God. How many times do you and I debate, argue, stress over things that God has already delivered you from? But you just have not known how to bring it into the realm of today. In Galatians chapter 2, we're still talking about Peter. In verse 11, thank you. Paul had to challenge Peter to his face. Paul. He had to challenge Peter because even though Peter was born again, spirit-filled, he was still having challenges. Living a mixed grace and law life. The two don't mix. You can either burn fuel in, your, in the tank of your car, but you don't have fuel and water running together in it. It's not possible. You, got, you have to make a choice. Yes, sir. So here in Galatians, Paul had to publicly 
address Peter on his hypocritical behavior. Let's read it. It's in the scriptures. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a what? Face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Here is the situation. Oh, I like this translation. This is the deal. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. But when that conservative group, huh, you know the conservatives, don't you? They are warming up now for the next election. Many of them are here this morning. The conservatives! Then I will spare them. I will spare them. Don't worry. <laughs> but when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Read on. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church joined in the hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the chariot. Now listen, this is how bad this thing is. Do you see the men that get swept under the law again? Peter, Barnabas. It's contagious. That's why you can't have what you call a balanced grace message. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. It's either grace or none at all. And the law or the flesh, the old man, because of how used it's been to the old ways of doing things, it's easy to fall back to that default. All you need is one or two persons doing this. Oh, yeah, it must be all right. Peter is doing it. Yeah, so now Barnabas, I can do it. And before you know it, the whole church is cut up in it. And nothing gets done. The reason we have not reached a world is because the world has not seen grace. They seem mixtures. And Jesus warned us, you cannot put this new wine in our own wine skin. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. I'm telling you, if we go out and noise abroad, the fame of the one who has so loved us and gave himself for us, if we begin to noise abroad what God's goodness has done in life, we won't have any problem saving people. The reason people don't get saved is because we are giving them conditions for their salvation. Stop smoking. Stop drinking. Stop fornicating. Stop this. Stop that. Who has the ability to stop? I don't care how many electric cigarettes you're going to buy. No. Only Jesus. Only grace saves. Even your prayers don't save. You pray, but Jesus saves. Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ is the only answer and solution to the problem of the world. Let them come to him as they are. He is the one that's going to clean them up. I don't care if they are gay, LBGT, whatever they are, they have two heads, three legs, I don't care what they are. Jesus is the creator of all flesh. And he died for the world. Now, guys, watch out. 
You heard the spoken word. It's a message to all of us. Some folk is going to start walking to this place that's going to look different from you. They're going to act differently. They're going to look differently. They're not going to conform to your three rules and five laws. And when they do so, the only thing God is asking of you and I is to love them unconditionally as he's loved us. That's where the proof is going to be in the pardon of your salvation. Next verse. I need to move quickly. Verse 15. We Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. Praise God. Some preachers on TV, that's all they talk about. Israel, Israel, Jews, Jews. I'm not a Jew. Absolutely not. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And every Jewish person, person that will have acceptance in God must come the same way. There is no preference. God is no respect of person. Only respect of faith. Amen? We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? We tried it. We had the best system of the rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God. Uh oh. By self improvement? Did you hear that? There goes all your New Year's resolution. All the self improvement that you already listed for New Year is gone. You can never please God by those things. <laughs> we believe in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah and not by trying to be good. That's good. That's good enough. Did you see that? Yes, sir. The point here is, even Peter had to struggle and it took Paul to correct him, to understand that, lady, 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 you, know, you shouldn't go back to your old ways. You are saved by grace. You stand by grace. And then finally, in time, Peter came to know it. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, he said to us, we grow in grace. So Peter was not stuck. He finally got the message. And God will help us to also get the message in Jesus' name. Amen. Having said that, let me now just quickly uh, go on and um, go to, with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Now, it is helpful for me to also say, to say this publicly, that the grace message does not, in fact, promote sinful lifestyle. It is very, very important you understand that. Grace does not give anybody a license or occasion to sin. And anyone that will abuse the grace of God, you must also understand that severe consequences in the right now for those abuses. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Because whatsoever seed a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We can see this very clearly in the scriptures in 2 Timothy, no, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. The Bible talks about the many sorrows that pierce the heart of those who sin. I pray that that will not be the portion of anyone here in Jesus' name. 
my experience in this work is, number one, I've found so much more freedom. Secondly, I've fallen in love so much deeper with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I've come to appreciate in a very, in a very, in a magnified way of what he really did. God just becomes, I don't know, I lack words to describe it. It's incredible. And all of a sudden, and I mean this in love, I don't care what you think. I'm sorry. I care, but I don't care. In other words, what I'm saying to you, I am not looking at you for my acceptance. Yes. Absolutely not. You, I mean, I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. I want this house to be full, packed full, rafters full. But if it does not happen, I don't care less. Yes. It's not on me. I am not going to carry a burden that God has not told me to carry. No way. Yes. I'm going to love him because he has loved me. I'm going to live according to my new identity. Yes. And the rest is up to him. Not me. Amen. No. You are not going to find me calling 17 day fast to grow the church. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I love you all. I love you. I love you because what? I receive the love of God so I love you. But I'm also saying to you, my acceptance and significance is not tied to anybody here at all. But totally all in the source. God. I like the way Dr. Onofiak prayed that prayer this morning. He said we are resources to one another. But our God is our source. I like that. Yeah, we are resources to one another, but God is our source. And that's what grace does for you. All of a sudden, you find your acceptance, you find your love, everything you are looking for in other people, you find them in God. And the amazing thing about that is God is not moving anywhere. He's not going anywhere. So you don't have to fear about being disappointed. Colossians chapter 2, we should be there by now. Verse 6. I'll be done in a minute. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That is huge. I'm not going to try to unpack that today. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abandoned in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you, there you go, through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Did you see that? Yes, sir. And that is happening. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. God really help us and deliver us from all these human traditions and things. I was listening to a message by Pastor Bakari last week. And I could not believe some of the things he said about his salvation and you know, when he got into the church. There are churches today who actually have a stencil or a portrait or a picture 
of what a believer should look like. And so for him every morning, he put a picture on the mirror and he's tried to dress according to that picture. Because that's, that church has come forward, they've come together, they've, 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 they've identified and established that if you're a man, this is where you should look. If you're a woman, that's where you should look. And this church has hundreds of thousands of human beings as members. So their goal every day is to look like a picture that was drawn by human hands. True story. True story. I heard that I said to myself, man, God help us. God, you're talking about bondage? That is serious bondage. But in this passage we just read, we are told that we are complete in him. Now, that verse 6, don't forget it. Because he said, as you've received Christ, so walk in him. That's something we need to address later. So you see that how you receive him has a huge impact on how you walk. But in verse 10, it says, we are complete in him. Complete. What does complete mean? It's done. Do you know that if you are born again just two seconds ago, you're just as complete as a man or woman that's been born again for 20 years? There's nothing else that needs to be added. You are complete in him. It's a done deal. That's what we're saying. Grace is done, done. Whereas the law is doing, 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 doing. It's done. You are complete. You are complete. There is nothing lacking in your life for which Jesus has not already made the provision. You are completing him. Therefore, the life of a believer should begin from the finished product. Not from the starting. Okay, let me explain that better. If I'm complete, then living on a day-to-day basis should begin at the point of finish. In John chapter 19, let me take us to the four progressions in this completion. In John chapter 19, starting at the finish line, John 19. Mm. Let's start from verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, another translation say completed, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said a thirst. Verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. All things were completed. All scriptures were fulfilled. Then he says, finished. He left nothing out. Finished. What was finished? What was it that Jesus was referring to when he said it was finished? Number one. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. The law that was contrary to you and I 
all the rules and regulations that we were unable to keep because we were imperfect. Jesus fulfilled them perfectly and satisfied the law. Satisfied it. So that you and I don't have to do it. It's done for us. Finished. What else was finished? God's judgment that was due you and I was totally, completely upon him. You see this in John chapter 12. Let me go there. John 12. 31 and 32. John 12, 31 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. In my Bible, the word peoples there is in italics. Which means it was not in the original translation, or the original manuscript. So that verse you read, and I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. And if one proof of that, go to the Greek linear Bible. You see, it's exactly the way I write it. If I be lifted up, I will draw all unto myself. What's the all? What is said in verse 31? The judgment. Every judgment that was due for sin, Jesus took it. He took it. The wages of sin is death. God did not change that law. But Jesus died in our stead. And all the judgment that was due me and you fell upon him. Now is the judgment of this world. And, if, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all unto myself. Which judgment are you under then? If Jesus took all, which judgment are you under? It is finished. The law that was against us was satisfied. Judgment against us was uh, upon him. And of course, on that same cross, we see the love of God expressed like never before. It is finished. It's a done deal. Amen? So we are starting at the finish line. In other words, I'm saying to myself, as a new born again Christian, I'm complete. The law against me, satisfied. Judgment against me, satisfied. I'm acquitted. I'm justified. I'm a saint. I'm righteous with God. I'm accepted in the beloved. Everything that God could ever do to equip me, empower me, was done on that day. 2,000 years ago, it happened. I'm complete. Next thing. In starting from the finish line, John 20, verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You see, once I know that I'm complete, that the judgment against me has been satisfied, that the handwriting of the laws that were contrary to me, he has removed. What's the next thing that happens? I'm a completed man. I'm, I, I'm totally in right standing with God. What does that bring? Peace. Peace. 
And notice when he came to his disciples, he just did not pronounce peace to them. He showed them his hands and his side. In other words, the peace I'm giving you is based on your righteous foundation. I'm not pronouncing peace on you just based on some poem I just read. There's a righteous foundation upon which this peace can be found. He was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The price for my peace was upon him. The chastisement made for my peace was upon him. And so by his stripes, we were healed. So when he appeared to them, he showed them his hands and his eyes. And he said, peace be unto you. You see, because you are justified already. You are completing him already. God is no longer angry with you. Rest. Chill. Have peace. So every believer starts at the finished point. You move from finished to peace. Paul confirms this. He said the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink. But it's what? Righteousness. What's next to righteousness? Peace. See, you cannot have peace unless you have righteousness. It is the righteousness of God that gives you peace. Why? You are not content. You know now I can face God. Why? I'm right with him. You are, you are no longer afraid that something happens to you. No, no, no. I'm righteous and therefore I have peace. Yes. So for a believer, you start at being completed. You move to the next point of being peace, at peace with God. And the next thing we see in John chapter 21, John 21, in verse 15. He pops the question. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? So the love question did not come up until the third point. This is huge. The reason many of us are not able to accept the grace of God is because the love of God is not real to us. And I can understand why that may be so in many situations. I had a bad growing up, perhaps. I had a father or a mother who betrayed my trust, who didn't love me, who did this, who did that. I had an uncle who abused me, an aunt who did this and did that. So we come up with all this family situation that's already painted the picture in our mind, what love is. So when you hear the love of God, you're comparing that love of God with your human experience. And you're struggling. You're struggling. How can God love me when my father, my human earthly father, did not love me? How, how can God love me when my mother ran away, left me with my alcoholic father? Whatever human experience, how can God love me? Where was he when I was being raped? Where was this God when this happened and that happened? So we're struggling based on our humanity. We're saying, I, so I went through some things, and therefore, when I hear the word love, I run away. Love had put me in a situation where I was compromised in my human experience. So how can I entrust this, my love to somebody else? How do I know that the same thing that happened in my humanity will not happen again? Valid questions. But notice what Jesus did. First, he completed you. Your human father or mother didn't do that. Then he gave you peace before he ever asked you if you love him. 
He didn't come to you asking or popping the question, do you love me? He didn't come to you being Mr. Charming. Hey, just trust me, Allah. Just love me. Follow me. No. No. If you want to overcome the issues of human love, the abysses you've been through, the compromises that's taking place in our lives, in your lives, the betrayal, and for many of us, they are huge. There are many. The only way to overcome that abuse, compromise, or betrayal is to look at the cross. Because at that cross, you saw a God who loved you so much, was willing to die instead of you. I'm a father. God forbid, I don't know if I can ever live my life for my sons. I don't know that. I don't know, as a human father, if I can purpose in my heart that in 2017, ah, is in the jam, faith is in the jam. I plan December 2017, I'll just go and lay down and die for them. I love them, but I don't love them like that. I love my skin. I already told you the story. Living in Atlanta, in a terrible neighborhood. My only sin was that I got saved. And the church was in that neighborhood, and I was so zealous. I told my let's move close to the church. Nasty neighborhood. I won't name it. <laughs> Minding my own business, sleeping in my own bed, hugging my wife at night. And an intruder, a thief, broke into the house. True story. I didn't know my brother had struggled with the thief downstairs. The guy made up his way into the upstairs uh, of, the, of the house. We had a guest that was visiting with us. And a thief went to the guest and was going to snatch the man's wallet. They struggled a little bit. And all of a sudden... In the middle of the night, this stranger, this guest, ran into my bedroom. The only thing I could hear is, thief, 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 thief. I didn't know what I was dreaming, if I was in a vision. But when I heard the word thief, 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 my wife was laying there next to me. I'm sorry, I didn't wake her up. I Every man for his own. I went. Hey, you are laughing at me. I don't know when your own will come. <laughs> I went straight into the closet. Straight away. That was my default. Do I love her? Yes. At least I thought I did. But I was not willing to give my life for her. That's where I was. Seriously. Seriously. It was months later. Studying in the scriptures. When God asked me that question. Do you love a wife? True story. And I thought it was Satan speaking to me. Because <laughs> I said, are you cra- what kind of question is that? Of course I love her. I do this. It's, watch, watch this. Watch how we are. Immediately I started counting what I do. I do this, I do that, I do that. What else do I need to do to show that I love? I'm telling you. Ah, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit said, is that, is that so? 
And then he brought my attention back to that night. How Christ loves his body and gave himself for her. Were you willing to give yourself for your wife? Ha! I said, God, you cut me. <laughs> I wasn't there. So I started praying in that line from that day. Seriously. Seriously. So I'm saying to those of us who have been compromised, abused, no, you cannot compare your human experience with what God is offering. Paradventure, a good man will not lay down his life for his friend. Scarcely, scarcely would that happen. But God did not consider how bad I was or how good I was when he did it for us. The cross is the greatest manifestation of love you will ever know. That is it. If you ever want to know if you are loved, look at the cross. Your father may have disappointed you. Your mother may have disappointed you. Your friends, your siblings, yes, they disappoint us all the time. But don't ever make the mistake to compare their kind of love to God's love. Because even while they were still putting, it, putting nails on his hands, he said, Father, forgive them. He gave a reason for our madness. They don't know what they're doing. They've not really tasted this love. So, excuse them. Forgive them. Don't even mind them. Don't, just forgive them. Notice, we did not repent when he said it. Notice, we did not ask for his forgiveness. He offered it. When my wife offends me, I'm sitting at the desk waiting for her to come and kneel down and tell me how sorry she is. Likewise, you wives, your husband does something wrong, you are just waiting to nail him. Give account for what you did. If you don't give that account, ah, you see. You are not only in the doghouse, you are in doghouse, lion's house, every other house you can find. Every ration available to you is cut off. No more food, nothing. Until you come clean. Yes, I want to know what happened. How, how, how did it happen? What, what? God was not like that. When he was asking Peter, do you love me? In John 21. Mind you, he never visited Peter's betrayal. He did not ask him, Peter, why did you deny me three times? Why did you say you don't know me? Peter, how many times have we been together and you said you didn't know me? Why? No. Not from the lips of the man from Galilee. No. Why? You see, because God's love for me and you is not dependent on us. He understands the frame that we're made of. He knows my love for him is up today and down tomorrow. When he gives me a promotion or a raise, I love him. When I'm battling the valley, ha, I'm not so sure of this love. He knows. So it's not counting on me loving him to make anything happen for me. It's all on him. It's his love for us that is important. But the reason he asked Peter that question was because he said, Peter, I've completed you. Step one. I've given you peace. Therefore, by the mercies I've shown you, do you think you can have it in you to love me now? 
I have by now some change in your pocket. I forgive you. I cancel the loss against you. Judgment taken away from you. I died in your place. But above all, I give you my peace. Do you think I have enough change now for you to love me a little bit? Finished. Peace. Then do you love me? And lastly, follow me. This is where the church differs. These are the four steps of Jesus. Number one, he finishes. Number two, he confers peace. Number three, he says, do you love me? And last, he says, follow me. Tradition in the church would reverse the order. Number one, we make another call. Come and follow Jesus. I cannot follow who I don't know. Number two, we command them, you need to love God. And you love God by how you dress. You love God by how you speak. You love God by not smoking. You love God by not drinking. Oh, you love God by not fornicating. You, we have all these rules. Follow, love, and if you've done those first two very well, you may have peace with God. And then lastly, because you've done steps one, two, three well, then you're righteous. Wrong! That's the law. Not grace. Grace gives you credit before you start. Grace puts change in your pocket before you even begin the journey. And now it's up to me and you to renew our mind and start living according to the grace he has given us. How does that happen? Three more minutes. Number one, you've got to apprehend the love of this God. Because if you don't understand and apprehend his love, you'll never trust him. you never trust him. That may be the only prayer you may need to pray this year. Father, help me to fathom and to come to a place of understanding of your marvelous love for me. I'm telling you guys, all this gyration and gymnastics, you're giving karate blow to the devil, you're dodging the devil, it's madness. All this spiritual acrobatics is madness. The one prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, he said they may come that the eyes of their understanding may be opened. So they can see the hope of his calling. And understand the length, breadth, height, and width of God's love that surpasses knowledge. He said because in this love, you can grow to the fullness of God. That's the point. It is only in love that you can go to be like him. That's it. The love of God is an ever unveiling thing that we all need to grasp. Yeah. There's more, but that's, that's, that's the key. I don't want to give you 19 keys. One is enough. Go and learn the love of God. I'm not talking about you loving God. No, 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 no. First John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. That's why it's step number three. How did he show his love? By complaining me. How did he show his love? By giving me peace. Now can I love him back? Yes. Yes. And now I can follow him. I can't start with following, then loving him, then getting peace. And get, no, wrong. Wrong equation. Wrong equation. Do you understand what I just said to you this morning? 
Ah, three people. See, that's my problem. That's, that's my problem. Do you understand this message? Yes, sir. That you start at a finishing point. Yes, point number one is what? Hey, God help me. Hey. hey. Thank you, ma'am. Finished. Completed. Hey. You just had the message. Pastor Gina, what am I going to do, man? First point is, it's finished. I'm complete. Next point is, I have peace because it's finished. Next point is, I love him because it's been finished. I have peace. I love him. And number point, point number four, I can follow. You guys help me along, please. I don't want to be like Paul, so I, so I have to carry this into other people. Help me a little bit. Don't just laugh. Get the message. Because if you don't get it, you will not be changed. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let freedom reign in this house. <laughs> Give me a shout of praise. <laughs> Some of you are not convinced enough. I said, give him a shout of praise. No matter what's happening in your life, Jesus is in control of it. It's going to help you. It's going to bless you. It's going to establish you. And you are going to be fine. It is well. You are righteous and therefore it is well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, 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 before I take my seat, um, I announced to you last week that we're going to have a love affair gala here coming up in February, February the 13th. We are ready now. We are really ready. And uh, I don't want you to miss it. This part of the, this whole message, let freedom reign. Let's bless God. Let's have some fantastic fun in God. Amen? Valentine's Day weekend is coming in February. So on that Friday night, before the Valentine's Day, we're going to have a love affair gala. We are going to change this sanctuary into a place you've never seen before. Don't let them tell you about it. You need to come and, do it and be a part of it yourself. I'm serious. Aha! Hear the question? I love it. Here in the house of God? Rosie, you've been gone for a while. The house of God is not 1294 Brazilian Highway. Bank Akimola and Rosie is the heart of God. Yes. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not these four walls. Amen. It's going to be a night to remember. This, this is not the cliche. Please. I know you've heard things like this before, but I'm telling you, 